and welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K-drama, we watch it four episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we watched episode, a new K-drama. We started a new K-drama. Episodes one through four of Move to Heaven. Move to Heaven! Oh, I'm so excited. This one's so good. It was really hard not to just binge watch all of it and pretend I was only watching four episodes at a time. Right? Um, Especially because the episode length, like each episode length, is so reasonable. Oh my god. Give us 16 episodes of a 45-minute length. Like, that's all I want from my K-dramas forever. Yeah, or even if they gave me 20 episodes, but the episodes were all 45 minutes in length. That would be fine. It's the 16 episodes and each is a movie that's starting to really... And it's not even that I don't love the K-drama. It's just that it's a big time commitment. Uh-huh. Yeah. We, at this point especially, only watch dramas for our show. And even then, sometimes it's hard to find the time to watch dramas that are super long. So this... This feels right. This feels like coming home. 45 minutes. And I feel like it's been a minute since we've seen a drama that did cliffhanger endings so well. Oh my gosh, right? They're so good at it because they know how they know that we know that most people aside from someone's dad isn't going to die. Like most of the main <laughs> characters aren't going to die. Mhm. They're good at the emotional cliffhangers of I want to know what happens next and not because I think it's something so dramatic but just because it's so compelling whatever we're doing right now right here right now is so compelling that you've somehow set up a cliffhanger that has nothing to do with hanging off cliffs (laughs) how are you doing this like episode one excluded Because that was the pilot, and I feel like that was a really solid standalone episode, where if you, for some reason, only ever watched one episode of this drama, you could probably watch that one and feel like, that's fine, I'm interested in what happens next, but I don't need it. It's a pretty open and shut, solid pilot. But the rest of them, you're like, in the middle of a mystery, and you're just so curious what guru is thinking they're like give me more okay clicking on the next one here we go yeah they've done such a good job with it and they've done such a good job i okay so a good way to explain it is using um using cho songu's character is that the uncle yes that's the uncle the new guy in town and he the best way i can explain it is that i somehow was so opposed to his entry in the end of the first episode Mm because I wasn't ready for Mm -hmm. it and I didn't want um, Hanguru to have to deal with this on top of losing his father and it's just a lot to process for any person but especially a person who relies so heavily on schedules and... uh, consistency yes and to have this hurricane come in i wasn't ready i immediately didn't like him and i still had the thought as soon as i had the thought 
I'm not ready. I don't like this guy. Another thought forced its way into my mind and said, oh no, they're gonna make you love this guy. Right? You know they are. But I don't think I expected it to be as quick as episode two. They show this horrifying family that let their mom die and they clearly don't care that she's dead. They're just out for her money. And you're like, well, suddenly this uncle doesn't seem so bad, does he? All of a sudden, in comparison, that's all we needed was, uh, you know, some relation here. Some slightly worse people. And then we're back on Team Uncle, because (laughs) I guess he could be worse. Well done. I guess. (laughs) Well done to this show. Because, yeah, I don't know. He's such a complicated character. I... I'm team him, definitely. I'm de- I love the little neighbor girl. Why did I call her little? I love the tiny, tiny little tiny <laughs> baby neighbor girl because the she is- The forest sprite that lives across <laughs> the street. She is all of us. She is nosy and protective and not trusting of this uncle, but she's in it. She's like, I'm here. I'm gonna be right up in your business. She is the us man, and I love to see it. She's the character um, maybe we don't deserve in a K-drama, but that we all have really needed for a really long time. Because, yes, she is relatable. She's definitely already my favorite character. I love that there was a point where she was talking about how she's now working at Move to Heaven with that cop friend guy that she has. And she says... But he's doing a great job. I'm just nosy. Uh-huh. And I was like, girl, same. Whenever <laughs> I feel like I need to help one of my friends who's already doing a great job and they're fine and I'm showing up in a way that probably they don't necessarily need, but I need to be part of what's going on to make sure I'm ready for them if they ever do need it. Dang, that's me. I'm just nosy. Also... I'm already in love with Officer Park. He was in the show for six seconds, and I'm like, Team Park, here we go. I ship it. I Yes, I 100% ship them. I have a question for you. Okay. This might be that it's been a while since we've watched a non-romantic K-drama. Yep. I had this thought that maybe there was going to be a romance between her and the uncle. Whoa. I also think it's been a while since I, at least, have seen a drama with people this young who aren't high schoolers. Like, obviously, hey, Goblin, we will never forget you, but you can do a romance between an adult and a high schooler, I guess, but I appreciate that they're like, these two kids, they're 20. They're not in high school, not quite in college. They're just here to hang out, have a good time. So it is feasible that she could be in a relationship with the uncle by the end. I don't see it happening. I Probably not. And I don't even know if I ship it other than... Uh, he's hot. He's dead he's so He's so good looking. <laughs> That's it. That's the... No, that she's like, she'd be good for him. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not saying she needs to go into this relationship trying to change him. I'm thinking he will change throughout the course of the drama, and that's when she will start to develop feelings, if it happens at all. 
I do not think that they are a perfect match made in heaven right now, but I just had a thought, oh, I wonder if, as his character develops, she will become interested in him, because she's already stalking him. Mm, that's really interesting. Uh, my heart's fluttering. I'm into it. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I really don't foresee that, but I, I would read that fanfiction. I'm into yeah, that storyline. I mean, I think hey, so. listeners, let me know if you want me to start writing fan fiction about K-dramas. <laughs> oh, that would be the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I'd read it. I'd read it, bud. Here's another one for your list. I feel like as problematic as it is to start a relationship with the, like, fixing the bad boy mindset that is toxic and makes my heart flutter... <laughs> I think they've set up a good character with this uncle. I already forgot his name. I just called him uncle in all my notes. Yikes. That he, Cho sung they've set up a good character with him. That he's got a good heart. Like, the ways that he would change is to stop putting out his cigarettes on the nice wood floors. And to, to clean up after himself. I don't think those are a big deal to change. It's not trying to change his whole personality to be like, please stop making a mess wherever you go. Stop breaking traffic laws. It would be harder if he was actually a bad person, but he genuinely seems like a good person who has some anger issues and got caught up in a bad situation that he's having a hard time getting out of. Yeah, I see that. I, I also think he has some, I guess, relationship issues in the sense that he seems to close off from relationships that he's worried will become damaging, which is to say he seems to harbor a lot of resentment for his brother, who might be the most pure person in all of history. So oh, I'm wondering if he... Is ha if he has a hard time making connections based on their rough upbringing mm -hmm. um, and relying on people. And so I do think that there's that that I wonder if it will change since he has to become a guardian for Han Guru. So, yeah, I'm so interested to know about this backstory with the two brothers, because obviously we got that flashback, that clip where... The older brother, Papa, was standing up for their mom and the younger brother. So you see that he's always been a good boy. But there's a part of me that's like, I feel like Uncle has to have a reason for hating him. And I really, I don't know. I'm curious if there was ever a point where Dad turned on Uncle and was like going down the wrong path himself. And that's why Uncle's like, I gave up on you at that point. You can have your little turnaround, your little fancy life all by yourself. But uh, you did that one thing that was like pure evil. And now I hate you. I'm like, tell me about Papa's pure evil past. I'm so interested. Yeah, yeah. Because there's, I mean, we love some gray moments for a character who comes out the other side as a great person. Uh, it's not that we're out here trying to be like, I'm ready to hate Han Jung, uh, excuse me, Han Jung Woo, because I'm not. I love him. He's, he's the best person, but I'm interested to see, yeah, how their relationship got to where it's at, 
it's very compelling. They've done a good job at making me curious about what possibly could have happened. Because, yeah, it might be, and I kind of hope that it's not this way, but it would be fine if it was. It might be that around the time that he, uh, that Papa started getting interested in settling down, um, maybe they both got involved in whatever was going on with the CD underground fighting ring around the same time. I don't know that Papa would have been a fighter, but, you know, maybe he was somehow profiting off of that situation, and then uh, he started to make some life changes, move in another direction, met a woman that he had a baby with, loved the woman, loved the baby, and it really changed him, and he kind of, again, that always had a good heart, but, you know, rough upbringing. I'm thinking it might be something like that, but yeah, maybe there was something he did that was really messed up, and yeah. he's he was atoning. Uh, we could watch which... it fall from his pedestal. <laughs> I don't know. It'd be super interesting. I my guess is that when he was old enough to leave the family, he did, and left his little brother in an abusive home. And now little brother's like, that sucked. You were the only one who like could have protected me, and you left me there. Totally fair. A little pretty feasible, like believable in my in my mind as a reason to like hold a forever grudge. Oh, I was just gonna say I don't even think that would make Han Jung-woo a bad person. I think yeah. that's him using the skills he has at the point in life that he's in to cope, which is leaving. Sometimes that really is just leaving and it is not good for everyone in the situation. Sometimes it's very destructive for everyone in the situation, but mm -hmm. like it's okay if he does that, if he leaves and walks away from abuse and it's not, I don't know, it's not his responsibility to continue taking abuse for his family. But that said, yes, for a child, that would be, there would be so much trauma involved with that. And that would also be very interesting because Cho Songu would not be in the wrong in that situation either, holding that grudge. I guess holding a grudge is never good, but feeling hurt and, and experiencing trauma because of that, totally legit. And I would love to see the interplay of complicated human nature in that way. Mm -hmm. But it'd be fun and exciting to see if Jungu like, just freaking did something crazy and horrible and got them both into underground fighting when they were adults and then yeeted out and was like, you keep doing the fighting thing. I'm going to go marry Rich and never talk to you again. Oh, that'd be so much meaner in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> What's going to happen? It doesn't matter because right now the show that we've got is just so compelling on its own. I'm so into it. Yes, um... So I, I'm sure there will be some announcement, at least in the, um, con or I guess the description of this episode, but, and we announced it at the end of our last episode of Another Miss O, this show is part of our new month called Big Sad <laughs> September. Big Sad September, welcome! Welcome! How many times did you cry at the first four episodes of the drama? I think I I think I only cried once and then I teared up like two other times. Same. Nice. Yeah, what made you cry? 
I guess I counted it at once because I just didn't stop crying basically all of episode one. Yeah, episode one made me cry fully, and then the rest I teared up because I was better prepared for what they were going to put me through after episode one. Yep, yep. Once your heart's broken that much... Okay, can I say, as much as I harped on another Oh Hey Young, I think it is one of those shows that's going to stick with me, and I'm going to remember it really fondly, because I keep thinking about it really fondly. I'm like, oh. That was a nice that was a nice little show with so many nice characters. I think my f- goldfish memory is helping me to love that show in memory more than I did while <laughs> watching it. But one big thing that I think it made me look out for is some good sound design. And this show has that. Oh my god, the silence when the mom is speaking at the funeral about her son broke me to pieces and then you just can't recover the rest of the episode the sound design when um uh, guru is driving and then the sheet of plastic hits the windshield and the music just gets louder and louder you just (laughs) you can't stop the tears nothing will fix you yeah, that they are they have all of your senses wrapped up in this drama the entire mm-hmm. time and it does make it harder to protect against not crying. That the mom talking about her son was the oh no no. Okay, so the first time I teared up, the strangest thing, but it's actually one of my favorite scenes maybe of any K-drama ever. Ooh. Um and it was when Jung Woo was had stopped the car and was looking into the convenience store and he was picturing what the what just a moment in the life of this young man who had passed away was like and hearing his story told through you know finding the the body spray and and the nail kit and i think it was the reverence for a very mundane moment in a life and it just that reverence being i don't know connected to the fact that that's most moments of our lives right and we should all be so lucky to have one person who just has a moment of observing that i guess like a witness to um and a reverence for those little moments that weren't huge it wasn't him putting money away from for his parents it wasn't him uh, going to college, it wasn't him doing all of these really beautiful, wonderful things that were also about his life, but it was just a, a snapshot, and it messed me up, <sighs> and I loved it. It was so beautiful. Beautifully done. That's the first time I teared up, and then yes, when we hit the mom talking about her son, and the absolute silence, and just, oh, yeah, I just sobbed quietly. My my boyfriend was home, and so oh, no. I didn't want him to bear witness to that moment in time, necessarily. <laughs> These mundane K-drama moments where you're just crying. Yeah. It's hard having a baby here to witness all of that. Obviously, <laughs> she has her own problems. She's worried about herself, but dang, she gets concerned when I start bawling that hard oh that's so sweet i'm like it's okay buddy we're keeping it together we're fine 
it's just a TV show. You're okay. And she's like, I don't know why you're crying this much. It's a lot. Are you okay? Are we okay? Are we in danger? Are we in danger? It's okay, buddy. Just don't look at me. Just go to sleep. I don't know. Look at the ceiling fan. <laughs> Do you like ceiling fans? <laughs> wow, this show is well done. Just looking through my notes, I said I'm crying at cups now because every scene they showed after uh, Jong-woo passed away where they're showing the two of everything, like the shoes, and then the coat rack, and then the cups. And you're like, I'm crying at cups. This is where I'm at. What's happening? Why did I see two pairs of shoes and just start sobbing? I just can't. We're done. That's all I had to say about this show. That's all we have to say about this show that two minutes ago we were saying is the best show ever. I mean, it's too good. What are we going to talk about? Oh, other parts that we teared up at, and then we can move past the Big Sad September talk. Uh, we'll mm. just have to do this once every episode. We'll have to t <laughs> touch base and talk about what parts made us cry. That is a requirement of Big Sad September. <laughs> I did get pretty teary when the son finally realized like, that his mom was gone. I don't know. That was a lot. Obviously, you're just angry for a lot of that episode at that character, but man, when they finally bring it home, they're like, no, like, your mom loved you, and you loved your mom. At the end of the day, you got me teary again. I wasn't too, because I, I was still, I was holding on to my anger a little bit at him, and so there was a moment of, yeah, yeah, remember your mom. <laughs> Because I'm a monster. Um, I did almost push into full-on crying when they were doing flashbacks of the children and the notes they made to their teacher who had been murdered. <gasps> oh my god. Why? <laughs> you guys, you're not allowed. Mm -mm. We need. Oh, we need to talk about that storyline. First, can I say, maybe insane. But it made me want to be a kindergarten teacher. Made me reconsider my entire life. Why am I going to graduate <laughs> school? Do I just want to be a kindergarten teacher? It might be my dream. Even this murder victim made it look amazing. Yeah. She was incredible. She was so thoughtful. It Honestly, uh, yeah... I don't even necessarily, at this point in my life, and maybe ever, want my own children. And hearing their little voices and seeing that sweet little moment that still felt very believable. They still felt like children. It wasn't like Hollywood children, where all of a sudden they're the most mature human <laughs> beings of all time. It was it was them being children, and it was such a sweet moment that I was like, oh, my ovaries, damn. <laughs> Give it me passed. one of those. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I oh, maybe reconsider everything. They're just so dang cute and They're pure. So cute, so sweet. How do we feel about not talking to kids about death? I I have an I, opinion. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think that it's destructive. I think that that's some um, we can't talk to kids about critical race theory bullshit, <laughs> which also let's not get into like 
even calling it critical race theory. It should just be called history, but I guess we can <laughs> I guess we can gloss over that one. Um but yeah, I I just think that we don't give kids enough credit for uh, understanding things that happen and it can do more damage trying to quote unquote protect them from these events and not address it and try and brush it under a rug to avoid the awkwardness of having to present difficult concepts to children and you're not doing them a favor by doing that like it's gonna do harm and there like obviously we're not expecting you to be like your teacher was brutally murdered stabbed right. to death like this teacher reacted as if these cleaners had come in and be like no you need to tell these kids what happened to her right but she's like they can't they can't know that she's dead they think she's on vacation i'm sorry she's not their dog that the parents have decided has gone to the farm this is a human being who will who was a huge part of their lives and will never come back like obviously Send out an email to the parents, like, give them a warning that today we're going to talk about death. It's probably going to make your kids pretty sad. There's going to be some tough topics. But a woman died. Like, I'm sorry that it's going to be tough for you to talk to your kids about this, but I can't bring her back. No, and it's going to not help them to just think she what left them and never came back and never cared about them. <laughs> That is not better. That's not better. And she would never, ever, what, buy them a gift? That also <laughs> blew my mind, that they couldn't know that the books were from her. If she was on vacation. Right. What if she sent them along and she wanted to... If we were still under the weird, uh, I don't know, protect them from hard things blanket... Then can we at least say that people can give gifts? Like students can receive gifts. That seems more reasonable to be like yeah. she prepared these gifts so that you would like read them while she was gone, and then she would come back. Yeah, it's insane to be like, no, they have to forget about her. They have to never think about this woman again. And I think we can pull this off as long as we don't pass along these books. Yeah. <laughs> what? That's so unrealistic. I just don't even understand. It just feels like get a guidance counselor in there and start talking about hard truths. Maybe they're thinking because these are K-drama children. Because K-drama children don't remember anything from their first, like, eight to ten years of life. Yeah, like friends they had or, like, things that, that happened, happened to them. them. <laughs> oh, Okay. Gotcha. Well, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with a generation of kids that just don't have memories before they're 10 years old? That's a lot tougher. I guess don't tell them about death. What's the point? Yeah, they'll just forget and you'll have to do it again in 10 years. <laughs> they're gonna forget their teacher anyways. Ugh. No, that made me super mad. I was like, Death is a real thing. Um, I think you're supposed to tell children about it. Like, yeah, tell their parents you're going to tell them. But you can talk to kids about death. It's going to suck. But do it. The background and side characters of that whole situation were some of the most unrealistic, which is to say, 
I do not think it's unrealistic that they said that, unfortunately, society and the authorities don't always believe women when women say that bad things are happening to them. That's accurate, unfortunately. An unfortunate truth of patriarchal societies is that women don't get believed. But I thought it was so unrealistic that the neighbors were like, that's such a nice young man. When that young man was keeping them all up in the night and was not even their actual neighbor, I I thought maybe the neighbors were like, oh, he's such a nice young man that lived next door when they mm. were first presenting the story. No, he at no point lived there and apparently was also knocking loudly enough that people were calling the cops. I think that I would hate that young man. That's despite fair. the patriarchy. I think anyone would hate that young man. Everyone wants to sleep. <laughs> That's fair. And yet, yeah, insane, I don't know, like, I don't know about rules for the police, but I feel like you can't just show a picture of, like, this is a picture of me and a woman, and be like, this is my girlfriend. She's inside that apartment. I'm waiting for her to, like, what's your explanation? The police were called, we were called here because you've been here for 20 minutes banging loudly. Either she's not home or she doesn't want you inside. So we're going to escort you back to your car, sir. It's literally the least we can do. Come with us. Like, clearly you're not going in this apartment. It's weird to just be like, oh. That's your girlfriend. I see you have a picture in your hand of two people. <laughs> so we're going to leave now. Nice to we see you, that. sir. Yeah. Uh, sorry, we aren't giving Korean cops enough credit. That's some, that's some American cop bullshit. <laughs> but we Should saw I that scene. That was an actual scene that happened. <laughs> yeah. What was that? Ah. Yeah, that, I, it's weird because I liked the storyline. I just didn't like all every part of the surrounding details. Mm-hmm. Um, I love... I don't know. We went into this where he walks into the apartment. Guru walks into the crime scene and they start playing uh, like they have news headlines flashing and they have this reporter saying this man had murdered her and he was pleading self-defense. Did your brain also immediately go, well, it sounds like he murdered her? Yes. <laughs> that was the most suspicious thing. Right? If, if that was a real news report, I'd say clearly he murdered her on purpose. It was not self-defense. It was, I don't know how it could be, but maybe it could be. But it sounds like he murdered her. And then we have to spend the entire next episode listening to him explain how he didn't murder her. And it was self-defense. And I was like, sir, none of us believe you. Why are you wasting our time? There's not a single person watching this show that believed you even when it was set up to kind of, I I don't know, mislead us a little bit? Into yeah, thinking was it supposed to mislead us? I cannot tell. I cannot tell if we were <laughs> supposed to catch on to that. I have no idea. Also, how did the prosecutor get away with just questioning him for, like, 14 hours and being like, no, we have video evidence. Like, <laughs> when did she get the evidence? I feel like that wasn't clear. Yeah, they, I think, yeah, they tried to set up that mislead. 
That's where uh-huh. they're trying to mislead you. That's why I think they were trying to make you feel like he really did it in self-defense, and there was never a moment that I believed that. No! <laughs> we spent so much time in that interrogation room, and now my brain is trying to retrofit this storyline of, like, well, maybe the prosecutor is trying to show the the jury that he's got no remorse, that he's clearly, like, this psychopath, cold-blooded killer... He insists that he did not murder her, and after so many hours, he still thinks he did nothing wrong, even though they have video evidence, which she pulls out at the end. But I'm just like, when did you get that evidence? It seems like you're wasting your own time by just sitting here questioning him on how much he loved her. I mean, I guess it's a pretty sealed shut, no air holes case, so that's cool. So I guess you can just interrogate him all you want. Just, yeah, it seems like a waste of time. Odd. Odd choice. But does not take away from the impact of Guru walking up and saying, you didn't love her. That's not love. Mic drop, Guru. Yeah, you did, You knew exactly how to deliver that. Very well done. I'm excited for all of these people who are now on your side as well. Because we know that Taylor's going to come back. I'm just kidding. I know that he's not. But we all know he's going to come back and bring a suit at the end for the last episode. Obviously, the prosecutor's wiggling her way into a secondary character position. We love to see it. Just build your team, Guru. Yeah. He's doing it. He's bringing it. He's ready. Officer Park, of course. And we're going to need it because for some reason... Uncle is trying to mortgage the house. He's trying to sell the house, not mortgage it. Raquel, erase what you just said. Because he's trying to sell the house. I'm so mad. That's a beautiful family home. I get that he needs money. I don't know why he thinks that he owns it already. Yeah, that's confusing. You can't sell a house that you don't own. You were told by the lawyer that you have to live there for three months before you can own any of it. So... Pretty sure you can't sell the house that you don't own. Like, there's literally already a lawyer involved, so. (laughs) This is not going to go well for you. But they they set it up so that I was on his team. I mean, I'm actually like, you don't need a house that gigantic. Obviously, there's a lot of equipment. You're going to need a place with a garage that you can move all the equipment for your cleaning services into. That's important. But it's a pretty large house for just two men. So if you're like, I would rather be out of this fighting contract that, yes, saved a life, and uh, I'm still, I still stand behind my actions, but I would rather not have to fight every other weekend until I'm bloody and raw. And if I can sell the house to do that, I'm going to sell the house. I'm not mad at that. Yeah, I think I'm putting too much uh, emphasis on material goods. I just worry for our good boy, uh, Giru, who Mm -hmm. does need the stability of the house, probably, that he grew up in to be doing okay. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. Yeah, two sides, because for sure, like, I also don't want Uncle to just be going and getting the blood beat very consistently out of him constantly but 
I do also, yeah, I'm also a little bit still, like, a little bit still 100%. Is that a way that you can term things? Don't care. A little bit still 100% in <laughs> Gyuru's corner here. <laughs> That's fair. No, yeah, he needs the stability. He's already gone through the most. I just, yeah, I think he doesn't need a house that big. If there was a way that he could comfortably transition to a smaller space with his uncle, I think it'd be good for both of them. We'll see. We'll see. Because, yeah, it's not, it's just not fair and it's not legal to walk into someone else's house and be like, I'm going to sell this place because I'm your guardian. And it's like, Mr. The lawyer told you you weren't a guardian for another three months. This is not your house. You can't just sell it. I mean, at the, at the most, you could sell the couch. You could start pawning off the furniture. It's a big step to be like, I'm going to sell the whole thing. Yeah, no. just go now and buy your way out of the contract. I just, also, that's another thing, right? Like, this lady's never letting him out of this contract. It doesn't matter how much money he pays her. Yeah, she will he's always the have... freaking nightmare. Yeah. Like, She's they're going to keep it. Go. Yeah. Yeah. And it yeah. sounds like, I, I guess I don't also entirely, maybe you can explain to my dummy brain how it's working that, uh, who is he keeping alive? Because I thought he killed the guy that they were sort of referencing. I thought that guy was already dead. Is there another person that I, did I miss it? Is it still kind of in the dark and we're not sure exactly what he's doing? I think it's very unclear. I think maybe he just thinks that that guy that he fought is alive and he went to jail hoping or with the understanding that they would save him. And maybe he died afterwards and nobody told him, so he's in this contract. Or he is still alive and people just call him a murderer. I'm not really clear. My impression was that people call him a murderer because he almost murdered this one guy. Oh, and that's how it went works. To jail. <laughs> that's how it works. I <laughs> but it feels like... It felt very dramatic at the very end of the fourth episode when Homegirl was like, Guru, what do we do? Your uncle's a murderer. And I was like, I thought that was a figure of speech. I thought they were just saying, like, this dude's a murderer. He's mad. He's crazy. And she was like, oh, he's like an actual murderer. <laughs> he stabs. I, she did see him beat up a man in the streets. And That's I don't know true. if she understood the full situation. Or maybe she's that, I don't think violence is the solution here type person. That's the one place where, for once, I differ from her a little bit. It's true. I don't necessarily advocate vigilante justice beat up abusers in the streets, but... That guy was taking it pretty far and he was going to kill his girlfriend if someone didn't stop him. And Uncle just used the skills that he had available. And I was proud of him. But I think she either didn't understand that he was saving that woman because she was maybe too far back to read the whole situation. Or she does not advocate for... Um, you know, like, maybe she's out here saying, you know, violence wasn't the answer. He really shouldn't have been beating that man within an inch of his life. It's fair. I don't judge her for that. I'm just out here saying, 
I'm on the woman's side, and it feels like Uncle is too. Uh-huh. And it feels like we've seen way too many dramas where the cops get called and they're like, I don't know, she seems fine to us. So. Yeah, like this one. So. <laughs> and then a woman got murdered. So. And then a woman got murdered, so I guess we're on his team. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a very gray area. I don't know where I stand on it. We're going to keep learning and keep gathering information until I can form an opinion. Because I wanted him to punch him a couple times, but then he started <laughs> punching him a lot of times and I got uncomfortable. Yeah, he was on the ground. The sound engineering is super good, so it was a little too realistic. It was too good sound. Too good sound. I don't like it. Mm-mm, pass. Um, yeah, so maybe he murdered that guy, which is fair <laughs> to be like, that was terrifying. He just murdered a man in the street. <laughs> But I did think maybe it was a figure of speech to call him a murderer in the fighting ring. Mm-hmm. And I assumed that he's in this do-anything contract for this woman because they were able to save the guy that he beat up last time. But he's, like, in a coma in the hospital, maybe, and needs his bills paid. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, now yeah. I'm just making it up. <laughs> we have in to. the blanks. <laughs> We have to, because we've got nothing to work with. But, yeah, um, I'm not mad at him for trying to sell the house and just get out of that whole world once and for all. Yeah, I just don't think that... I I don't... Why am I making things up? I don't think she'll ever (laughs) let him out. I don't think there's enough money in the world. I think if he proves that he can generate that much money at once, Mm. then she's going to ask for more the next time. She doesn't seem like a fair and legal employer that's fair she's a loan shark mm-hmm. it's just that she's a woman so my brain is like she's reasonable she she'll get her <laughs> money and then leave him alone that's fair trust women loan sharks more than men loan sharks but mostly don't trust loan sharks at all just that's what i say loan sharks don't be <laughs> sexist and don't trust loan sharks the classic play on k motto <laughs> <laughs> e- um, yeah, I am very worried about this whole finale scene where Girl Next Door follows Uncle into an underground fighting ring. I don't want her to be there. Again, I'm glad she's not a high schooler. I'm glad they made her a little bit older. I feel a little more comfortable about this maybe not becoming a damsel in distress situation. Do I want it to become a damsel in distress situation? Yes, I do, because I'm broken on the inside, (laughs) and I apparently ship them together. I want him to save her. But do I understand that she should not be in danger? Yes, I don't want her to be in danger. I didn't want her to follow him into an underground fighting ring. I'm uncomfortable that she's there. She's a little bit out of her skill set at this point, I think. And so, yes, I was also... I love a nosy girl. I love a girl who's trying to protect her friend. Uh, She's a woman. I'll call her a woman. I love a nosy woman. I love a woman trying to protect her friend. I love this woman who is nosy and trying to protect her friend. I also think people should work within their skill set for the most part. Like, maybe it's time to talk to the lawyer and just say, Hey, uncle's selling the house out from under... Kyoru, could we please address this with him before irreparable damage is done to Kyoru's out assets? Outsets? I don't know why I tried to say that. 
assets. Um, that seems within her skill set at this point mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for stopping what's going on. Is it good K-drama behavior? Absolutely not. It's too responsible. <laughs> we don't know. No, Nancy Drew. Don't be responsible. Go into that den of danger. We love to see it. Give us a cliffhanger. I'm worried about it. <laughs> it was really hard not to start the next episode and be like, does she get out? Or does this very scary loan shark woman corner her and say, hey, what are you doing here? Maybe we should have a chat. Ew, don't talk to that woman. Now you're in a fighting contract. <laughs> now you're in a fighting contract. Ew, no, it's much scarier for women. I don't know. Fighting sounds scary, and I'm sorry that he is getting hurt. But I do think Nancy Drew getting sold into, like, a different kind of contract would be scarier. Oh, yeah. Being trafficked? That would be awful. Yeah. I'm going to say that's worse. Yeah. I also agree. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that's a double standard where women, we can be more angry about double standards. Liz Lemon said so. (laughs) So we're going to go check on Nancy Drew. If any of you are equally worried and equally invested in this amazing show, send us an email at playonkpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, or give us a little short hey, I love this show over at our social media. We have uh, Twitter, which is at playonk, and we have Instagram, which is at playonkpodcast. You can leave comments directly on our episodes at playonk.com and there you can find a link to our patreon you can sign up for our newsletter and you can find links to all of our affiliates like blueberry podcast hosting skillshare and nordvpn yeah check those out if you've ever been interested in any of those using our link helps out the show and another way you can help out the show is wherever you listen to our podcast usually there is a place where you can rate review or subscribe to it and doing so helps other k-drama podcast listeners find us and we love you for it yes finally if you want to help out the show very very directly and monetarily we have a patreon it's patreon.com slash play on k where you can access all of our bonus content or you can just Throw some coffee money at us and say you like what we're doing and you support the show. We very much appreciate all of the patrons that we have. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, it keeps the lights on and the website up and everything. And that's, <laughs> that's how we do it. That is how we do it at this point. And it's very exciting to us that anyone cares. Thank yes. you so much. Yes, and thank you so much, even just for listening. We love you, and join us next week for the next four episodes of Move to Heaven. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.